In the not too distant future, stuck in a quarantine. Evil Rob from Tokyo who lives was planning something mean. He invited a guy by the name of Mike, just a kaiju groupie he didn't like. Never before had he been so bored, so he conked him on the noggin and threw him into discord. I'll send him kaiju movies. The worst I can find. He'll have to sit and stream them all, and I'll monitor his mind. Now keep in mind my can't control where the movies begin or end. I try and keep his sanity with the help of his podcast friends. Podcast roll call. Kaiju Conversations. Tokyo Lives. Kaiju Groupie. Monster vs. Men. Kaiju Weekly. Giant Monster BS. Monster Island Film Ball. Gargantua Cast wondering how Mike video streams and all these kaiju facts repeat to yourself it's just a show I should really just relax for kaiju quarantine to trash mountain hey there groupies Mike here kaiju quarantine is back but uh, I'm a little bit scared Me and the other podcasters are going to need your help as we attempt to climb Trash Mountain and riff 10 of the most awesomely awful movies in the kaiju genre, including Godzilla vs. Megalon, Gamera vs. Giron, and The Giant Claw. But what mystery film awaits us at the peak of Trash Mountain? Only that son of a minya Rob knows. And it all begins Friday, May 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time and runs through Sunday, May 24th. Be prepared to spend an epic and hilarious Memorial Day weekend with your favorite giant monster podcasts on the official Kaiju Quarantine Discord server. Space is limited, so you want to go ahead and reserve your spot today. And remember, Kaiju Quarantine, come together right now over Kaiju. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael. As always, I'm right here. (laughs) And we're also joined by a special guest, uh, Chris, the co-host of GargantuCast and writer for Something Ghoulish. Glad to be on the show, guys. Yeah, welcome, Chris. Yeah, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, Your podcast, GargantuCast, was one of the first giant monster podcasts that I subscribed to when I started looking around at other giant monster podcasts to to check out and kind of check out the competition. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I was like, oh, because I like your podcast. It's like the competition. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys are great. You guys, I I love... 
I love you guys' enthusiasm. Um, so, for anyone who might be unfamiliar with GargantuCast, uh, do you want to introduce uh, yourself, your podcast, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm Chris, the co-host of GargantuCast, as well as the basically the producer as well. I'm it. I basically hit me and my co-host Cole and guests. We usually just dive into kaiju movies, tokusatsu and general monster movies as we try to find uh, more informative ways to explain, because everyone does reviews a lot. Like, a lot of people do reviews, but what we try to take an angle more like analyzing the socio-political themes as well as place where these films are released and what genres they reflect at the time, as well as we just, you know, be funny along the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where you guys are are excellent is because you do – you do take it, you do approach these films from sort of a, a cultural perspective. And I think that that way you guys can stay relevant and, and you're more, and that just can, makes you guys more than just your average monster movie review podcast. Yeah. Cause we basically, we don't want reviews because, you know, we notice like not, not to knock on you guys, but you know, a lot of people on the internet have taken the idea of reviews and it's kind of like same old, same old. So yeah, what we try mm-hmm. to do is, again, trying to, like, you know, start a conversation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, again, one of the things that really uh, stuck out to me about your podcast is you guys have a lot of enthusiasm. You have a lot of energy. Your podcasts are really high energy. <laughs> I mean, that's thanks to my co-host. Yeah, <laughs> he brings a lot of it, but he man, does. you guys are so much fun to listen to. Just the energy that you guys bring to the uh, kaiju podcasting world. That's just how we talk in real life in general when we're together. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, it also so, helps. Yeah. I was going to uh, say it also helps too, Chris, that it seems like you guys are legitimate friends off screen no, or off, no, off th- camera and off, no, off I, audio. I, I borderline live in his house when I'm not right. in my place. Yeah. So there's always that there's, it's always really good uh, when you're all, when you're friends with your co-host because you can play off of each other. And I think that's part of what makes gargantuan cast so entertaining. Thank you. Yeah. And so we're glad to have you. And we had to have you on this episode specifically because I was listening to you guys. I think it was probably earlier this year, um, maybe January or February, and uh, Cole mentioned how much you love uh, the topic for this episode of our podcast. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I was like immediately like, hey, man, we got to have you on whenever we talk about this this subject. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, but before we get into the main subject of this week, we're going to talk about the Kaiju movie news. Um, so yeah, the first bit of news that we uh, that I want to get into is some sad news. Uh, we had legendary kaiju suit modeler Aizo uh, Kaimai, I think. Kaimai, yes. Yeah, yeah. Kaimai, uh, who helped create the original Godzilla 1954 suit, in addition to a lot of other Showa era kaiju. Um, he passed away on April 24th. Uh, he was 90 years old. So sad he news. A, he lived a long life, though. He lived a yeah. long life. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a good innings. It's not like, uh, you know, he didn't die young, but it's still sad to see someone who was no, so, of course. so closely tied to the kaiju uh, movies and everything and one of the, one of the creators of 
Godzilla, really, who helped create Godzilla, um, pass away. Definitely. Yeah. Like, a lot of people, like, you know, yeah, E.G. Superaya definitely helped. But, you mm. know, he did. He wasn't the sole person doing everything. You know, we got to give credit right. to every single person who helped in the effects. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And And really, he is probably, was probably the only one of the would you say like fathers of Godzilla who was still left alive because pretty much yeah. everybody who you could say like were directly involved in creating Godzilla have already passed away. If Haro, I'm not, yeah, Haro, <clears throat> Shiro, Akira Fukube, Tomonuki Tanaka, yeah. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he uh, Izo was one of the uh, the key players in in kind of giving us what we know now as Godzilla because I think the original sketches, uh, he was sort of more he was more amphibian like instead of reptile like and so I think he, he, yeah like I, from what I remember first like Eiji Tsuraya pitched an octopus but that would have been like a nightmare at the time then Tomoki right. Tanaka had the idea of a dinosaur but you know they had the effects team. Uh, work on an easel was the one that basically made a workable design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wow. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So sad news. And like we said, it's, it's kind of the end of a, it's, I wouldn't say end of an era, but just kind of, uh, it brings the, uh, really a closing to the, that chapter of Godzilla, mm -hmm. um, having the last real person who was directly involved in creating, uh, the Godzilla we know and love, uh, to pass away. So, some sad news, but like we said, he had a long life. So, mm -hmm. um, But on a happier note, we do want to talk about this event that's coming up. We hinted to it last week, and uh, since we have Chris here on the podcast, and he's involved in this, we want to talk about it. Um, we're officially announcing Kaiju Quarantine 2.0. Trash Mountain. Oh, Trash so, Mountain. I am so scared and excited at the same time. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited. Me and Cole on a pastime, we just dig through the 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 uh, our Hedoras heat when it comes to movies, and we just, we just love trashy movies. Yeah, I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast can kind of tell that I enjoy watching terrible movies and just you know having fun with them. I mean, I just we just did Night of the Lepus just mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um so yeah. Uh so yeah, we've got uh Kaiju Quarantine. If anyone's not familiar with the original Kaiju Quarantine, it was an idea to bring together a bunch of giant monster uh podcasts and do a movie marathon and have everyone who was available, you know, any fans or listeners to join us in watching these movies and enjoying the commentary from different Kaiju podcasts. Um, so this time around, we've got uh, this, a lot of the same people involved in the first one. We've got Kaiju Weekly, uh, Kaiju Groupie, uh, we've got Monster Island Fumball, Gargantia Cast. We also have Monsters vs. Men, Kaiju Conversation, and Tokyo Lives. Now, the thing about Tokyo Lives is Rob, uh, who's one of the hosts on there, is actually the one who curated the movies this time around. Um, but we also added Giant Monster BS as a uh, another podcast. So if you like any of those podcasts and you want to hear their commentary, please join us on our Discord server. We have a Discord server for Kaiju Quarantine. That's where we're going to be streaming the movies and doing this three-day movie marathon. 
So that's going to be Friday, May 22nd through Sunday, May 24th. Memorial Day. Yep. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Um, so, uh, and do, do you think we should give some of the hints to uh, some of the movies that we're going to be talking about? or You know, uh, I, 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 I kind of want them to be surprised. Yeah. But you can. But you can, Travis. Listen, we can give them maybe just a little taste, but. Okay, well, if anyone was uh, part of the first Kaiju Quarantine, you heard me and Rob talk a lot about Yeti, Giant of the 20th Century. I know Chris <laughs> knows a lot about this one, too. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was our it, was, it was our Christmas episode. Yep, um, so that's one of the movies. We're also going to be covering The Giant Claw. We're going to be watching um, The Crater Lake Monster, uh, Gamera versus uh, Giron. And then we also have a mystery film because the idea behind this is that Rob, who is curating this, is slowly working from the least trashy to the most trashy film. And the final one is completely a mystery to all of us except for him. So that's going to be exciting. <laughs> it is. Oh, it, so it's going to be. It's gonna be it's gonna be hilarious. It really it really is. I'm looking forward to being on Crater Lake Monster with you, Chris. And uh, uh, it's gonna be my first time, actually. Really? Okay. So yeah, I've I, never I, seen Crater Lake. I am no longer a Yeti virgin, so I watched the full. Um, oh I, man! <laughs> I watched the full uh, version of Yeti on. I think I found it on archive or YouTube or something. Mm. And my God, <laughs> that's all I can say is. My God, I that was movie... hoping that you would be surprised when you saw that movie. <laughs> no, no, I, I just went ahead and ripped the bandaid clean off and maybe oh, took yeah. a little bit of hair with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was actually an impulse buy when I was at Spooky Empire with uh, Anthony from something ghoulish last year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, I forget which company it is that just uh, just are uh, is putting out the Blu ray. Oh, the, uh, yeah, I didn't know Blu ray was coming out, I had the DVD. And, yeah, uh, it was like back in 20. It was a 2014 DVD. And oh, God, that negative is now like a treasured <laughs> item. Someone needs to find a negative for that movie. <laughs> it's it is something else. So like, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> like there's VHS riff, but I think this is like a 30, a 35 millimeter riff. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, this is a projector. This is a VHS on a projector riff. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy. So I love Travis's description of Yeti because he's he's went on record of saying it's like a porno but without the sex. Yeah. <laughs> it it has the music. Um I love just like how they try to make the Yeti sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean he has luscious hair. That oh beautiful hair. beautiful mane that like like Chris Hemsworth has great hair, but I think the Yeti is is his ultimate enemy. Yeah, um, yeah, obviously. absolutely gorgeous hair. It is such a crazy movie. Oh man, I cannot wait for this. So, like we said, if anyone is uh, interested in joining us for this three day movie marathon, even for just one or two of the movies, uh, we are going to be doing it. Uh, that is Memorial Day weekends, Friday, May 22nd through Sunday, May 24th. And you can join our Discord server. I will include the link down in the bottom. Uh, of the of the show notes and so you can join that 
and have fun with us. I know in the last one, I like to talk about how in the last Kaiju Quarantine, uh, when we got to Final Wars, it just went absolutely nuts. <laughs> That's because half of us were tired. Half of us were tired. Some of us were drunk. Michael uh, a passed little. out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I, I'm, I, I can, I'll admit that I was, I did not pace myself well on Rigo. So I didn't quite make it all the way through Final Wars. <laughs> oh, man. So that's going to be fun. All right. Well, let's move on uh, with the news. Um, that's exciting news, but we've got some more to cover. One of uh, a uh, character who is pretty pretty well known in the Godzilla community um, from uh, or an actor who's pretty well known in the uh, Godzilla community is going to be returning to Tokusatsu. He's going to be joining Ultraman Z. This is Jun Hashizume. Uh, he played Lieutenant Koji Shinjo from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. And the he's best going... character in that movie. Yes, the best character. The best character. Um, although I do kind of like... Uh, I like Miki in that one, too, because she does more than she does in some of the other movies. Miki, but, uh... like, like, on its own, Miki's great, but if, when the grand scheme of her character in the Heisei films, she took a complete 180. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, he's going to be coming to Ultraman Z, the new Ultraman series that is uh, on its way. Um, he will play Kojiro Inada, leader of the Anti-Monster Task Force, Storage. Uh, for these organizations. Yeah, I know. Uh, Ultraman just has some of the craziest names for their like teams. <laughs> But is storage an acronym or is that like the legit? It's all, it's all caps, so maybe it's an acronym. Yeah, I think it is an acronym for something. That is a long freaking acronym. It is. It and, really yeah, is. Yeah, like, and people say Shield from the Marvel movies has a long acronym. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's going to be fun seeing him. We get we're getting more and more uh, information about Ultraman Z. So I'm looking they're really hype. They're really hyping up Z. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's it for that bit of news. There's nothing really else to say other than yeah, it's exciting. He's going to be in it, uh, and it yeah. sounds like he's going to be playing a like a major part too. It's I think not... he's like I think he's going to be the leader of um of storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, the leader says, of it. So he's he's basically like in every Ultraman series, there's always the lead of the organization. Right. There's always the captain. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so what you're telling me is he's going to have his very own storage unit. Uh, I swear, if they don't call their, <laughs> their their machine storage unit, I'll be very upset. <laughs> like every Ultraman series has the vehicles. If they're not called storage units, I'd be very disappointed. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'll be a little angry. I I think I'd be disappointed too because it just. It, it just it just wants to be it just wants to be made fun of. A name like storage wants to be made fun mm-hmm. of. Not even made fun of. It's such a brilliant pun that uh-huh. it, it like if you don't take it, why bother? Right. Exactly. Why why choose that name if you're not gonna like actually play around with it? <laughs> True. Oh man. Uh, moving on to the next bit of news, we had a quote from James Flower, who's the producer at Arrow and video project manager for the Gamera uh, movie set that is coming out soon. Um, he said online, 
we've got everything that's been on the previous American editions and more in terms of extras, in terms of the dubs, all of them. And I mean literally all of them. So no stone has been left unturned, and fans should be very, very happy when they see it. I so know that I know Chris and I are extremely excited for this release. Now I'm going to. Oh, I already, it. I already pre-ordered it. Oh, same here, same here. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm not the biggest Gamera fan. Get biggest Gamera fan. I love the Heisei trilogy. I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, there's only maybe two or three in the Showa era that I actually enjoy, um, but I'm super excited for this. Yeah, Same. like I, I, it's definitely this makes me. It's I'm so happy for this, but I'm a little frustrated just how it's like you know Toho. This really bit Toho in the butt for being so controlling for the Criterion set, and I love the Criterion set. It was my birthday. Mm-hmm. It was my Christmas gift last year for my mom, right. and it's a fantastic set. Don't get me wrong, and I'm glad it exists. But it, it's very. I, I know Criterion can do better, and they want to do better. But it, yeah, like, Toho is just a complete you know, butt monkey about it. Yeah. And, their, their hands were completely tied with that, cri- with that criterion release. Uh, Chris, if you've seen any of the champion releases, uh, yeah, I've, I have. Yeah. Oh, they're so, they're so much better than what criterion was. I will say what criterion was allowed to put out because I'm not going to place blame on criterion for that. Uh, because it's, it really, uh, it's up to, it was up to Toho what they were allowed to actually work with. And place the blame all on Toho because Jesus well, Christ. Well, yeah, you know, we love Toho, yeah. but eh, they have their moments where we don't love them so much. Yeah, um, I think um I think uh um Chris Yount from Kaiju Cast, when the Criterion collection was um announced and everything was uh shown about it, mm-hmm. he was saying he made a good point of saying that that set was never meant to be for uh kaiju fans it was meant to be for people who like criterion and Mm, so that's why you don't have a lot of supplemental stuff like you might get in this this gamera set like i mean the amount of stuff you're getting you've got all of the artwork from from matt frank you've got the book you've got the the comic book that goes along with it two comics you get the two comics the dark horse book and matt frank's fan comic well oh right yeah the um the prequel comic uh um and there's still stuff to be announced, and not to mention all special features from past releases. So that includes the Shout Factory releases and the Mill Creeks. Yep. Yeah. So so this is obviously a set for fans, whereas the, yep. the um, Criterion wasn't really meant to be a set for fans. But when it comes to the the cuts of the of the movies that they were allowed to use and the uh, subtitles that they were allowed to include and the dubbed versions that they were allowed to include. Yeah, that definitely, it's just like they were really hamstrung by Toho. Chris, do we know if even the Showa era films are going to be restored in 4K or is it just going to be the Heisei era? Uh, as far as, I mean, they said more stuff to be announced when it comes to the, um, like the especially how the films are, but as of right now, it is currently the Heisei films. Okay. I mean, 4k I'm sure the, the Showa era films are going to look great. I'm just, I was just kind of curious if they were going to be able to restore those in like full 4k resolution or if it was just going to be an upscaled HD. From what I also heard, uh, heard in that announcement that, uh, they also got another Kaiju release in the works that was part of the deal they had with Katakiwa. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. It's in stone. 
like uh, what the announcement is, but I'm gonna place bets. It, we're gonna get a Daimajin trilogy from from uh, Arrow. I'm gonna mm, I'm gonna call ooh, it. I'll be interesting. Okay. I, yeah, I, I have a feeling that's gonna it, like they said another kaiju thing from Kakua. I was just like, it's Daimajin. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one that makes the most sense to me because Daimajin probably is the second largest uh, kaiju thing that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it uh, seems like they they realize just how hamstrung Toho was, so they decided like uh, like them and um. Uh, Subaraya are realizing are actually taking advantage of Western fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. realize. I think they realize now how hungry we are for this stuff. Now, 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 let me just preface this by saying it's still a niche market over here in the U.S., but still, there is a lot of fans that would will that would be willing to invest some serious money into these releases if they would put them out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I like that the, like you said, that the companies are starting to realize that these fans, even though it is still a niche market, they can, they can make a profit from it, and mm-hmm. they can really, if they do a good job, then the fans will be there. The fans will will just right. you know eat it up. Right, and not to harp on this too much, um, but it re- this Gamera set really comes in at a price point that a lot of folks and a lot of fans can actually afford. I think. Oh it, yeah, it started out as a, at one hundred and eighty, I think, and then it's it's dropped down. If you if you went ahead and pre ordered on Amazon, I think I checked it the other day. It's dropped down all the way to one thirty, like one twenty nine and some change. Mm-hmm. So for a set this great, like all the stuff we're going to be getting with it, I mean, one hundred and thirty bucks is really really good deal i think yeah definitely yeah Yeah, for sure um the next bit of news that we can get into is in a recent interview with the youtube channel pixel dan randy falk from NECA revealed that there may be a brief hiatus period uh coming soon where NECA isn't allowed to make godzilla figures so Yeah, he said this is due to uh, Playmates Toys having the license for Godzilla vs. Kong and the Mm -hmm. film's owners not wanting there to be any competition, even though the companies occupy different areas of the market. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like you said, it makes sense. You've got Godzilla vs. Kong coming up. Playmates has the licensing for that particular movie. So to keep competition down and to keep from splitting the market, uh, they're just going to take a hiatus from Godzilla toys. My my mindset about this is so uh last year was Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh the the, the Jack specific toys were meant for kids. Mm-hmm. And NECA, uh you got NECA and Tamashi Nations, they made stuff for the adult collectors. So mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is hopefully Playmates can make something akin to like Hasbro's Marvel Legends stuff. Mm-hmm. Hasbro released like for you know, comic books and Star Wars and all that stuff. They have stuff, uh, and Power Rangers now, stuff for kids as well as stuff for, you know, that works for kids, but also for, you know, more adult characters. Right, right. So the more I'm detailed hope- ones, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping that with Godzilla vs. Kong, we get, you know, better figures, because I don't mind, I don't need to get another Godzilla, like Legendary Godzilla, I'm fine with my Monster Arts mm-hmm. uh, 2019, but I would like to get a really good six-inch Kong Monster vs. Mm-hmm. Kong, as well as maybe a, uh, they make a figure of a six-inch figure of spoiler. Oh yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, let's not mention the spoiler because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like <laughs> hopefully they make 
figures for you know detailed better fake six inch scale figures for those because it would really suck because i was actually looking forward to NECA actually finally making a kong figure yeah i i think the the if if this goes ahead and NECA is taking a break from the figures and so that playmates can have the market uh, all to itself, then that mean that has to mean that playmates has something in mind that NECA would be in competition to. It would mean that they would have something that's coming down the line. That's a little bit more higher in than the right. Because otherwise, yeah. why would they do that? Cause they're like, like it says, even in the interview that they occupy different, parts of the market so there's no Indeed. reason uh unless there is something that's going to cross over into each other's market yeah that i mean that, that makes it makes total sense i was kind of curious when i first saw this like okay so what what does playmates have in the back like what are they working on that is good enough to compete with NECA now NECA has really stepped up their game in the last couple of years and they're I would put them almost almost on par with Monster Arts I feel like just from my personal perspective Monster Arts is on the decline whereas NECA is on the rise as far as their sculpts and their affordability and and you know just some other factors that are they're in their favor uh, so it makes me really curious as to what Playmates has up their sleeve that NECA would be willing to bow out of this market temporarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot. And and a lot of, oh, go, go ahead, ahead Travis. Oh, okay. oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, it's the one thing I'm uh, a lot of people were saying, like, oh, I don't trust Playmates because, you know, those really bad shin and mm -hmm. space. Oh, got yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 from, I heard a theory from uh, Steven's Toy Reviews that, if you guys watch him, he's like one of the biggest like toy reviewers. Yeah, I've seen him before. Mm -hmm. He yeah. made a theory that made sense. So from what I heard, the reason why those figures look like that, remember, Godzilla vs. Kong was supposed to originally supposed to come out in March this year. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, Playmates has an exclusive deal with Walmart. But the movie got delayed, so they can't release the Godzilla vs. Kong stuff. But they need to release something. because I guess they had to release something for Walmart. So I'm guessing they asked to borrow the molds from different Bandai figures as well as the NECA um, Shin Godzilla. And yeah. these were rushed. And I don't think they're a reflective of Playmates' total uh, like quality. Capabilities. Yeah, yes. right. yeah, it's not reflective on their capability. It's just they needed to put something in the market. They needed to make some money. They needed to probably fulfill a deal with Walmart at that time. And so they rushed. And, you know, Shin looks rushed, but ultimately I think these Playmates toys aren't, they're not for me and you, Chris, they're for, you know, less, they're more for children. They're okay. not for the serious collector. They're not for someone who's, uh, who takes this kind of stuff seriously. So, yeah. Understandable. I, I will say the guy again looks pretty good. Yeah. The guy again does look, it's probably the better one of the, it's better. It's the better one of the set for sure. My favorite meme, I, I guess you'd call it a meme, but my favorite picture I made that tied into um, one of our my early episode or our early episodes of this podcast back when Steven was still on was that picture of the Playmates Shin Godzilla next to that dog, uh, uh, Steven. <laughs> that internet meme yeah uh and i it's just like because it looks just like it he's got the overbite and everything it's just, oh man it looks like oh, it looks just like steven <laughs> um 
but yeah, uh, something else that was interesting that came up in that um, interview with uh, Randy Falk is he mentioned that NECA also still has the rights to some non-Godzilla Toho kaiju. So any ideas? I know, Michael, you know more about collector side of things. Chris, uh, you know a little bit more. You know more than I do. Um, and so... Uh, do you guys have any ideas what non-Godzilla Toho ka- uh, kaiju that NECA might have? A Mothra makes sense. Gigan makes sense. Probably, Man. I was going to say probably Rodan and Mothra because King yeah. of the Monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I would love to see them do a, uh, a uh, what is it, 64 um, uh, Mothra. Yeah, I like oh, to see yeah. 64. I want to see 56 Rodan. It's one of my favorite suits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, I still, I want to get into collecting, but it just, ah, it's so it's hard a rabbit, to get. It's a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit yeah. hole, for sure. <laughs> uh, I started out with NECA and SH Monster Arts, and it's only gotten more expensive from there at this point. Um uh, mm. But yeah, as far as Toho Kaiju, that's not, but that's not Godzilla. I'd say I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Chris and say Rodan Mothra, and then I'll even throw in Gigan or maybe they'll give the collectors a, a, a NECA version of King Ghidorah. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I was wondering if they would do a, a King Ghidorah. Yeah. They said they wouldn't do King Ghidorah because quote unquote too expensive, even though they've done the um the alien queen around mm-hmm. the scale that would have made sense i'm guessing the reason why they, they said that but i think another reason is because i think the monster arts Ghidorah was so hyped up yeah and mm-hmm. it would have been and it was actually much cheaper than i expected it to be yeah, i actually I, got it it was like 180 which is you know actually not bad compared to how a scale monster arts figure like that so mm-hmm. maybe it's because it's around that price point and NECA didn't want to because it'll be a hunt it'll just be like maybe a hundred like eighty dollars to even fifty dollars cheaper so there's really not much of a difference because uh like a monster arts godzilla and the monster Art and a NECA godzilla there is a significant price difference right right so yeah, yeah it, it probably wasn't that significant enough to do yeah okay well so that's some ideas on what um what they might be coming up with uh later down the line probably after the hiatus that they take um after Godzilla versus Kong, whenever that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> we don't even know anymore. I, I expect some of this stuff like to be really hyped up, not necessarily in 2020, but in 2021, after the film's hopefully been released, uh, all these places are going to have, are going to go nuts with merchandise, I feel like. And it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Especially with Toy Fair next year. Oh, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, moving into the the last bit of news I want to uh, talk about before we move into the main uh, before we move into the main subject is uh, that yesterday I was on a uh, or yesterday I recorded an episode of Cinematica Animalia with Sam Perrin, who's been a guest on this podcast. Um, I don't know when the episode is going to air, so it may be a couple of weeks from now, but we had a lot of fun talking about uh, Godzilla 1998 and the legendary Godzilla and comparing the two and just... We we had a lot of fun 
uh, talking about those things. And so wanted to give a shout out to Cinematica Animalia. If you have not listened to them and you want to give them a shot, maybe the episode that I'm on and that's coming out in a couple of weeks will be something to listen to, to give you an idea of what the show is all about. Yeah, we really enjoy it. Anytime we get to have Sam on the show, it's it's a pleasure, and uh, we really are big fans of his podcast. It's super interesting. Yeah, I, I enjoy having him on. Uh, he has a very unique perspective on giant monsters because of being an ecologist and uh, doing the podcast with a vet who kind of brings in the uh, physiology side of things. It, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, a lot of interesting things that you get from. Uh, from his podcast that you wouldn't get from other podcasts like us, who are just a couple of idiots talking about giant monster movies. <laughs> I wouldn't call us idiots, Travis. Come on. Uh, I call myself an idiot. <laughs> I couldn't remember Tanaka's name on the podcast, by the way. So if, if people Ooh. go and listen to, I am so bad with names and I work overnight and then have, uh, because uh, Sam is seven hours ahead of my time zone so having to record at weird at a weird time i was like what's the producer the one who basically created godzilla uh and so i could not remember his name and i'm like oh i'm gonna get skewered for this but my brain just is not working <laughs> i have my i have my skewer ready for when that episode drops travis <laughs> so if anybody's listening to this and they go listen to that Forgive me, my brain was not working at the time. <laughs> you know when that episode's going to drop? Did you um, give me timeline? I think in two weeks. I, okay. I think in two weeks. Um, yeah, I think they're bi-weekly, I'm pretty sure. I, wasn't yeah. I just couldn't remember. Yeah, I can't. Um, I think the next episode that they do that's coming up is uh, a follow-up to their Jurassic Park episode. And then uh, okay. after that, I think might be the one that I was on. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out. And I will, I, whenever it does drop, I will let everybody know. And, uh, yeah, so now we can move into our main topic for this week. So the trivia question that I asked last week uh, to hint to the topic for this week was, what Japanese TV show inspired by an American superhero helped popularize giant robots in tokusatsu so the live action because at the time they were already popular in anime but what mm -hmm. helped popularize them in the live action tokusatsu series um so we want to give a shout out to alexis russo david connell and nathan marchan from monster island film vault for getting the answer right and saying spider-man um but we also have damon I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm just going to say Damon, uh, who said Tetsujin 21, a.k.a. Gigantor. Oh, that's, uh, that's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah, very classic uh, anime. Uh, really kind of gave birth to the giant monster, uh, giant robot genre. Um, but So that's a really good guess, but that wasn't the answer. <laughs> uh, Jimmy from NASA, the producer of Monster Island Film Vault, said Captain Japan. Uh, that was the next one. <laughs> Which I'm going to talk about in the fun facts segment. Uh, Wait, uh, there's really a thing there's really a thing called Captain Japan. I thought he was just riffing off of Captain Marvel. It, it's it's not Kinda. called 
it's it's not called Captain Japan, but there there is kind of a Captain Japan. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, uh, Thorax, one of our Patreon supporters, uh, said Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, which is a really good guess. Uh, guess because that predates the uh, show that we're talking about, uh, Spider-Man, by probably about ten years. Not quite ten years, but. It didn't late six late sixties, early seventies, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the difference between that and Spider-Man is Spider-Man was a piloted robot, so a mech, whereas um the atomic robo in Johnny Sacco was independent. You know, it had its own uh thoughts and intelligence. It, it's it's like Gigantor. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it it was very similar to, to uh Gigantor, but that's a really good guess, and I cannot wait to talk about Johnny Sacco on this podcast because I actually really like that show. <laughs> I still need to see it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh Nick Blackler, uh who always gives us the funny answers, gave us Diners, Drive Ins, and Mechs, starring our favorite fire shirt wearing, frosted tip styling, Camaro cruising robot uh, gear fieri. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone please draw that? That would be hilarious. Oh, that would be that would be awesome. Or, oh, or a real or a really terrible Photoshop. I think that would even be better. Yeah, <laughs> terrible Photoshop is is so good. Oh man! So thanks, Nick, for always giving us the funny answer. <laughs> so yeah, so this week we are going to be covering uh, the first three episodes of Spider-Man, the Japanese. Yeah. Spider-Man series. <laughs> and so just to go through the cast and crew, we've got uh, um, Shinji Todo as Takuya, the main character. Uh, Rika Miura, Miura uh, as uh, Hitomi, uh, who's, uh, I think that's um, that's his girlfriend, right? Girlfriend, the, girl character. Yeah. The, the girl. Yeah. The girl <laughs> uh, is Zumi Oyama uh, as his sister. Uh, other girl. Other girl. Yeah. Yoshiharu Yabuki as the annoying character who is in every TV show, which is the kid. The Kenny. The Kenny. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mitsuo Ando as Professor Monster. I I love that character. I love that actor. He's so good in that. Um, Yuki uh, Kagawa as his subordinate, Amazon uh, S. And uh, so Takuya was the was uh, basically like our Peter Parker character, and that was played by Shinji. But then every time he transformed into Spider Man, you had a different actor playing the Spider Man character, which was Hirofume uh, Koga. Makes sense because uh, Shinji's hair would not fit in that suit. Trust me, I have put on Spiderman. I have cosplayed Spiderman before. You need a haircut beforehand. Yeah, right. yeah, that that poofy '70s hair would have made Spider-Man's head so massive <laughs> under that mask. Oh man. Um, so uh, we're going to take this one episode at a time. So let's start with the first episode. Um, Michael, do you want to do the plot breakdown for the first episode? Yeah, sure. Uh, to uh, say the plot like that plot breakdown, if I can talk, uh, uh, reads like this: Takuya is a hot rodding young man with no sense of responsibility until one day his father is killed by an evil invading army. 
he meets an alien from the planet Spider who gives him all the powers and weapons of the Spider-Man we all know and love, like telepath, like telepathic powers, a car, a spaceship, and a giant robot. You know, all the things that Spider-Man has. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, during the 70s, there was the Spider-Mobile. Yeah, the Spider-Mobile. True, oh, the, I forgot about that. The but that dumbest. was meant to be a joke. Right, the dumbest thing. Okay, yeah, just to get out of there, not only I am a huge kaiju nerd, I am a huge God, uh, comic nerd, especially with Spider-Man. I literally, on one of my walls, I have basically... I don't want to call it a shrine because it's out to sound creepy, but I have like a mural of valuable uh, issues I have with Spider-Man. Oh, wow. I yeah. actually have, Chris, you can call it a shrine if you want to. We'll I actually <laughs> have a issue of Superior Spider-Man signed by Stan Lee before he passed. Oh, oh wow. nice. Nice. Uh, the only signed copy of Spider-Man that I have is a Spider-Island that's signed by Dan Slott. Because, I, uh, cool. I actually have three, uh, no, two issues signed by Dan. I have an issue of Spider-Man 700 and an issue of Amazing 17 with the, uh, it was the minimal variant. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan too. I have, uh, I I have been since I was a kid and I used to collect comic books and my main ones I collected was Spider-Man comics. I had a ton of Spider-Man comics, uh, for a while that I ended up selling, to uh, make room in my very, very tiny apartment. <laughs> weak, weak. <laughs> yep. I know. Uh, so yeah, so we're we're coming at this from the uh, point of view of being already being Tokusatsu fans, already being Spider-Man fans, and seeing this show that just combines all of that together is so fantastic. Now I want to talk to Michael specifically a little bit because Michael, you are not necessarily a Spider-Man fan. I am not. I, but I enjoy Spider-Man. I enjoy, I have enjoyed Spider-Man media in the past. Um, specifically Spider-Man three is my favorite Spider-Man. No, I'm kidding. It's not, <laughs> it's not, my, it's not, I, I'm joking about that, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not a huge comic book nerd like you two. Um, but I am aware of Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. Um, but this series in particular, I'm going to say that I'm, I I went into this completely green, not even having a clue what's going to happen. And all I can say is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. (laughs) All I can say. Wow. (laughs) Can can we just say 70 Sokusatsu had some amazing intro songs? Oh, yes. That's just so great. So, And great. I will probably come at this from a, not necessarily a Spider-Man fan, but a Power Rangers fan, because there is some parallels here that I remember from watching the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. And there's a very good reason for that, um, which I will get into in our fun fact segment, because uh, there's some very strong ties between this uh, Japanese Spider-Man and Power Rangers. Uh, so we'll get into that in the fun fact segment. So, so just talking about this first episode, um, let's, let's go down the line. Chris, what are the things you enjoyed about this episode? This very first episode thing. I first want, first of all, I do love just seeing the novel. Like it's a novelty. Yeah. But just seeing 
the character of Spider-Man, which is a intrinsically American character, mm. interpreted in a Japanese lens, it is very fascinating to see what can translate well and what can't. Um, I do like how Takaya, uh, the main character, starts out arrogant like Peter was in mm -hmm. his original first appearance because, you know, like, he, Peter, when he got the spider powers, was kind of an arrogant douche. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, he didn't, he's like, I'm not going to be a superhero. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make money. And, you know, with our character, uh, with our main character, because it's a show, they kind of have to fasten things a bit. He was already arrogant from the start, and I kind of like that. And, yeah. you know, Leo Pardon is just one of the best live-action mechas, like, of all mm -hmm. time. And even the fight choreography is just so good, for the most part. Yeah. And yeah. I like, and um, I know one thing, uh, Stan Lee actually preferred to show over the seventy late 70s, early 80s live-action Spider-Man show, because, you know, they actually bothered to make the Spider-Man, you know, acrobatic and fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one. That's one of the things that, and I, I will touch on again in the in the fun pack segment. But uh, the Stan Lee really enjoyed not only this show, but he enjoyed a lot of the Tokusatsu shows uh, from that from that time period. He he really enjoyed a lot of them. So I, it's so interesting. He's also a huge Godzilla fan. Yeah, yeah. So I I love that. Nowadays, most people think of this show as, oh, that silly Japanese version of Spider-Man. But in reality, like, th this was a hugely popular show. This... Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I was, no, I was going to say, yeah, like, this This was immensely popular in Japan. Like, like a lot of people think, like, it was just a one-off thing. No, it lasted for, for a good while. It even had its own movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. Um, so, Michael, what are some things you liked about the first episode of Spider-Man? I was <clears throat> pleasantly surprised uh, how much, how impressed I was with just the suit. Uh, because I thought to myself going into this, and this is going to make me sound like a real douche, but I thought, well, okay, knock off Spider-Man from Japan. It's going to look crappy. But no, I was pleasantly surprised that the set design, the suit design, uh, everything except for maybe uh professor monster looked awesome and i was i was really really surprised by that especially leopardon uh i hope i said that right was was awesome to see like a really good mech and uh yeah i i just i just really enjoyed it and to chris's point um i like how they did kind of just start from a place of he was already arrogant he was already a douche uh, but then once he got his spidey powers, uh, he was instantly humbled. And I know that's, you know, kind of, it's been uh, diluted down a little bit because it's only like 24 minutes long. But yeah, I, I, I think it was, I think the first episode was a good setup. I think the first episode was paced well and it gave you enough to keep you interested through the entire series. So I, I know that we're only going to be doing three episodes uh, this time around, but I've actually watched up to eight so far and i've enjoyed what i've seen <laughs> it gets addictive doesn't it <laughs> it does it does <laughs> oh, i've gotten man. no work done in the last two days just because of it <laughs> um you guys mentioned how takuya uh is kind of a douche at the beginning of the of the first episode um one of the things that stuck out to me was he was such a douche he was running his motorcycle in a very enclosed space <laughs> mm. <laughs> like that did not seem like it was very healthy. In fairness, it is not a Spider-Man without making bad decisions. True. 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 Um, 
I I put some things in my dislikes, but they're not really um, dislikes. It was just little things that made me laugh about the show. Uh, because I, to be fair, like as much as we really enjoy the show, it is of its time. Mm-hmm. It is yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's very seventies. It's very seventies, and it's so seventies that I just enjoy the heck out of how seventies it is. Um, there's a scene where Marveler, the spaceship, just crashes into the mountain, <laughs> like doesn't even try to land, just like head on straight into the side of a mountain. <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, Garai knows it's going to take it, it will survive. So, might like why even try? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the evil layer for uh, Doctor Monster or, or Professor Monster is just inside the newspaper office. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Because <laughs> like, she, uh, what is his? What is his? Uh, Amazonus. Uh, yeah, she just she literally just gets dressed in street clothes and walks out a door into a news office, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. unless All it's right. like a portal or something. Maybe, but that's never made very clear. So I'm assuming it's just sort of the unused basement of the news office. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is like a weird interpretation of the Daily Bugle, question mark? Yeah, Yeah, well, kind of a weird interpretation of J. Jonah Jameson to make the the editor-in-chief kind of the villain. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, out of all of Spider-Man's characters, Jameson can inflict the most damage very easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do want to get to Amazon S in just a second, but uh, there's a scene where Takuya just runs out into the street screaming, uh, uh, Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, what does his neighbors think of him? Uh, this this <laughs> guy who is running a motorcycle in an enclosed space and then runs out into the street just screaming. <laughs> Oh man. Um the, oh yeah, so uh <laughs> Amazon S uh looks like she has to poop constantly. <laughs> Her face. She has resting bathroom face. <laughs> it's like from from Chowder, like he seems grumpy, but I just think he she has to poo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What did you guys think of the the putties? I mean the the Iron Cross Army. I uh, t- uh I okay. <laughs> Okay, why do they have those giant noses? <laughs> the beaks, yeah, the beaks. Are That's, so wait, weird. they're supposed to be beaks? I thought they were. I, they look like. I'm guessing they're supposed to be beaks. It doesn't really explain it, but it it just, it, they look. It, no. it looks like beaks to me. <laughs> just remove them, and also they run, flip, run, flip, run, uh-huh. flip. By the time, like, just run or just flip, just. Like I don't need to see your dan- your your cat's routine. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was uh one big dance dance off in some of those uh, battles between them and Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I have a little note that says the people editing this show were on crack, um, <laughs> because the editing is so crazy and I love it. I it feels, love it. I will say, as the series progresses, it feels like they tighten the editing a bit. Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Later episodes uh, feel a little bit more, feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, they do. But this, the first few episodes are so bad with the editing; it's so crazy. But, uh, but I mean, you know, this. Um, when uh, there's a scene in the first episode where uh, to 
Takuya gets the message from Gaira uh, to come and find him, and he was just going to take off on his motorcycle with his little brother on the back of the motorcycle. And what he does is just gets his little brother to stand off the motorcycle and then just takes off. Like, hopefully someone's there to take care of the little brother. <laughs> I think that kid's so annoying that no one's going to kidnap him. No one's going to take him. I don't know who's more annoying, the Kennys from this show or the Kennys from Gamera. I'm not sure yet. Okay, the, okay, the Kennys from Gamera are annoying, but they they mean well. This kid's a brat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This kid, this kid, like, I mean, this kid's worse than the Ultraman Kenny. Oh, <laughs> from the I don't yeah, know. no, like he, he no, yeah, like I feel like he's worse because I'm just like, why are you here? Just right. go, uh, like, you know. We like the last thing Spider-Man needs is an actual annoying kid besides him, instead of the metaphorical annoying kid known as Life. Right? Yeah, yeah. He serves no purpose. He's really annoying, especially in the second episode. The second episode, it gets even worse. Um, just that of the sort of a trope, though, guys, of like Japanese television. Anyway, it is. There's always like there's always a kid somewhere. No, yeah, I think it would be more entertaining if the kid was the voice of reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a trope, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not annoying. <laughs> not true. Um so yeah, especially the, especially the fact that you know most kids want to see Spider-Man. They don't want to see them like I'm I'm boring. I'm already a kid. I want to see Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> but they have to make it relevant, Chris. It's Spider-Man. <laughs> it's spider-man oh man yeah no nah, I, I it's a japanese thing too because it's it's mostly in in japanese shows that you see more of this the kid character who tags along with the heroes um the then you know, 90s television in america yeah that then, happened. yeah yeah i mean look at power rangers turbo i was just fixing to say power rangers yep. turbo but uh, yeah oh man Oh man. <laughs> Am I the only one that actually likes Turbo? I feel like I'm the only one. I like Turbo. I just don't like that character. <laughs> well, I think Tur Turbo got better sadly when the original when the, the Zeo actors left and we got the new guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um <laughs> anything uh anything else you guys want to talk about with the first episode before we move on to the next one? Um, no. I I got I got a few things to say. And okay. So crack my fingers on my <laughs> nerd mice oh, here we go so i don't mind the a lot of these reinterpretations of the characters what i do mind is a few things with our spider-man's motivation that just kind of feels wrong like okay. the whole thing about spider-man is great power comes great responsibility that is in part that is integral to his character Mm -hmm. of any version of Spider-Man. You got even like characters that aren't Peter Parker, but are new versions of Spider-Man, like Miguel O'Hara, or even, mm -hmm. you know, they're always, or Ma yeah, Miles Morales is another example. Great power, great responsibility is intrinsic to the mythos, the, the very core of Spider-Man. So having this version of Spider-Man's motivation is, is strictly revenge kind of feels wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem kind of wrong from that perspective, uh, and, and I'm totally with you. I mean, there is a point in the first episode where he says, I'm an emissary of hell, here for revenge. And it's just like, okay, 
that's that's not really that's not Spider-Man's thing. <laughs> Especially like like remember in the first in his first appearance, he was going to get revenge on the burglar, but then he found out the burglar was the one he let go away, and he was like realized consequences. Another thing that just bothers me, I, I, it could be a licensing thing, but from what I research, it, it wasn't an issue. Doc, Professor Monster is not intimidating, or his goons. No, no. he's weak. Yeah, it, like. Uh, I would have, it would have been really cool to see like an interpretation. Like, I, I feel like if you got Spider Man, you should be able to just get his rogues gallery. Like, imagine a Tokusatsu version of Green Goblin or Doc right. Ock, or the way to emulate him. Why, you might as well be Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and have and, and have like the the Beast Bem just be interpret like monster versions of Spider Man villains. Like, imagine Lizard is just like a giant monster, right. Rhino, Shocker, Electro. Yeah, it is really weird that they didn't use more characters because they did have the rights to them, or they, they could have, uh, because the deal that Marvel and uh, Toei had was they could use any of the characters. So it it doesn't make sense for them to just stick with ones. But, but I think it just comes down to they, when it came to, it might have came down to the toy, uh, the, the, to, uh, the toy line, because any toy sales that they made from this series would have been, or, or characters that they created, or, or not characters, but the characters that they used would have had to have been split with right. Marvel. Uh, yeah, Whereas any new characters that they created, they didn't have to split with Marvel. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, yeah. So uh, that that's what I think. That's now, that's just me, but that's what I think it comes down to. No, that totally um, makes sense. That totally makes sense. It does, because a lot of these shows, if you think about it, they're sort of at the mercy of like toy licensing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. They're, they're thinking like several steps ahead. Like, can we even market this as a toy um, period? So, yeah, it, it mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It's still disappointing. But to yeah. Chris's point, it is disappointing. Uh, hopefully Marvel will make a comic and I'd like to see that. That would be a really cool idea for a Spider-Man comic and they just have reinterpretation versions of his rogues gallery. Especially now with hindsight because there's even more villains that was created before this, after the series. So can you imagine like, you know, Toku, like Spider-Man version of Venom? Yeah, it's kind of like oh, how yeah. um, DC is, I think DC is the ones that are actually doing it, but um, they're doing their Batman 66 series like the way that they you know you can actually go and read the comic book that continues the story of batman 66 um the old adam west tv show and in the comic book they have like the 1966 version of all of these villains that they didn't show in the tv show um and so having something like that at marvel for the 1970s spider-man would be really interesting yeah, especially you know, Marvel got the rights to Ultraman, so mm-hmm. they're already dipping their toes with uh, Tokusatsu. Um, one other thing I want to get to before we move on to the second episode, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just a little story thing that kind of annoys me. So Takuya's dad dies, and that should be the character motivation. And then Garai dies again. Well, like literally two minutes later, it kind of feels redundant to have two old guys die to be his character motivation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have in my notes, um, I wish Zordon Juan Kenobi could have stayed around longer. <laughs> I mean, he's he's in spider form, but he's always, he's like, kill, kill. 
Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like to, to, to have two motivations that are pretty much the, the exact same makes mm -hmm. zero sense. Yeah. Double down on the, on the motivation. That's, yeah. that's what I always say. <laughs> um, going uh, back to what Chris said about how this, this, uh, storyline or the, the motivations there seem a little off from our perspective because of what we're used to with Spider-Man. I, I, I have to mention it because I know if there, if this person is listening, then they'll talk about it. But someone mentioned on Twitter and I can't even remember who it was specifically, but someone mentioned in reference to the, uh, the Godzilla anime that it is a Japanese trope to take a character that's basically like a Captain Ahab character who's so dedicated to getting revenge and making them a sympathetic character. Revenge is a strong motivator for a lot of Japanese media. I mean, watch how many animes where the character's motivation is revenge. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a thing in for some reason in Japanese. Like we tend to, uh, from a Western standpoint, try to downplay revenge or or show that revenge is not the way to go. Whereas in Japan, they have a more balanced view of revenge, that revenge is sometimes a good thing, if, if mm -hmm. a positive thing. And so uh, having a character that's obsessed with getting revenge is not necessarily a negative thing in, in Japanese culture. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because, yeah, it is weird if you are someone who's used to Spider-Man because yeah. the idea of revenge is not what Spider-Man's about, but knowing that this is so uh, adapted to a Japanese culture, it makes sense. Well, in a lot oh, of ways, yeah, totally. in a lot of ways that seems to me to be a little bit more honest because, you know, we're all human and we all mm -hmm. have that bent about us that when someone wrongs us, we do want revenge. I mean, um, it's it's weird. I guess not. I guess not weird is the right word, but it's it's different uh, from a Western perspective. But it's also very interesting how they handle themes like that. Like I, the whole Heisei trilogy for Godzilla is centered around getting revenge on on Godzilla, pretty mm -hmm. much. Uh, I will say, as the series progresses, uh, this Spiderman does eventually like start focusing more on human lives. Which, right. you know, like at that time, like the first episode rubbed me the wrong way, but later on, it's, that's, this is where we start seeing the Spider-Man, a bit of the Spider-Man we know and love. Like mm -hmm. he saves yeah. people, he, he, his motivation is like, you know, not only take down the Iron Cross army for revenge, but also just how they're genuinely evil people. He's, he's still value, right. valuing, you know, protecting people. So I do like that. It's just right. the first even episode. In, I was going to say, even in episode three, we start seeing glimpses yeah. of that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We can talk about that when we get to episode three, because I think episode three really kind of shows that progression, um, you know, to where you, like like Chris said, where you see more of the Spider-Man we know and love as a Western audience. Um, but before we get to episode three, I don't have much to say about episode two. Um, so what do you guys, let's start with Chris, or actually, no, let's start with Michael, because he needs to give us the... Uh, the plot breakdown for episode two. Uh, okay. I will do that as soon as I scroll up here to get to the plot breakdown. Uh, <laughs> okay. So in episode, in episode two, we get a flashback of how planet spider was taken over by professor monster, as well as some flashbacks to Spider-Man gaining his powers from, uh, Gyra. Is mm -hmm, that how Gyra. we say that? 
Yeah, okay. Gyra. Uh, in the present day, Spider-Man must stop one of the monsters from destroying a train filled with rocket fuel. Yep. So real simple. Uh, and again, all these plots are pretty, pretty simple. Um, so Chris, uh, going back to you, what are some things about this episode that you liked and didn't like? Ooh. So what I liked, um, the flashback sequence in Feudal Japan was pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty neat oh, thing. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really mm-hmm. interesting. I like seeing sci-fi elements in Feudal Japan. I'm always a sucker for that. And, you know, I like the idea where the episode, when we actually get to the presence, uh, our main character has a balance, his normal life and Spider-Man. That's just classic Spider-Man. That's just not even classic Spider-Man. That's just classic superhero in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like that. Uh, dislike, oh, God, this is definitely the weakest episode out of the, the three I watch. Because it's mm-hmm. just one gigantic recap episode. And already, the like, a lot of tokusatsu and animes have recap episodes, but that's usually devoted for the midway point of the series. Having right. a re- borderline a recap episode in the middle of, the, not even the middle, the second episode is kind of egregious. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind the flashbacks, because, you know, that's actually an origin for a big part. But we already saw the origin of our Spider-Man. We literally just seen the last episode. So it just felt like filler. And it was just, you know, kind of like dull. Because just, I already seen this. So I don't need to see it. And the fight in this episode was so quick. Where it's just like, oh, that's it? Okay, then. Yeah. And the monster just looks really, like, I I don't want to be mean. But the monster in this episode looked pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, uh. (laughs) <laughs> he was really bad. He was really rough looking. Um, uh, Michael, uh, you want to uh, share your likes and dislikes about this episode? Sure. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with Chris. This is probably the weakest of the three that we're going to be talking about today. Um, only, and I'm, I'm, I have to agree that mainly because they spent 11 minutes giving us a recap of the backstory. Now I now granted some of those some of those moments were important uh but not 11 minutes worth when we've only got 24 minutes to enjoy the show. Right. Um I did like the the flashbacks to Funeral Japan. Um I think in my notes it's I had here um you know sort of recapping the conflict between Gyra and Professor Monster was sort of interesting because it gave context to mm-hmm. why Spider-Man needs his powers and why he needs to carry on this legacy. Um, and of course, Gyra's helmet is ridiculously awesome. Uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, I had a good yeah. laugh at that. Kind of wish he was wearing the Spider-Man costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A yeah, little, cause, yeah. Cause I, I can where see did that. the Spider-Man costume come from? <laughs> because it was, it was a weird mix of this, uh, not this, turn of the century Roman armor with mm. Halloween decorations yeah, and, Gal- on top Gal- of him. Galactus will be looking at his helmet and be like, okay, calm down, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Tone it down just a bit. <laughs> right. But the yeah. choreography was okay. Um, the battle, the, the battles with uh, the, the iron cross army were all right. Uh, but the final battle between the brain Kaiju, that's what I'm calling it. Cause I can't remember the name of it. Um, and Leprodon was a little bit meh. It was just boom, boom, done. I mean, it's just, yeah, nothing to it. And this is where the editing was at its most annoying, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, the first, uh, is it the first scene or one of the early scenes where, uh, Takuya is, uh, 
is on his motorcycle and you just get this same shot of this motorcycle over and over and over and over again and it's just like come on <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm kind of with you guys i mean i do like some of the flashbacks to uh to planet spider to uh feudal japan but other than that the flashbacks you know the and and especially the narration over the flashbacks was it's, kind of just yeah there. it's very much tell and show and a lot of telling mm -hmm. yeah so uh it, it's it's definitely of the three it is the weakest episode so um so we can just move on to the next one <laughs> the best the best um so episode three michael you want to give us the plot breakdown Sure. Uh, so in episode three, uh, someone is impersonating Spider-Man while committing crimes. Is it the work of the Iron Cross or someone else involved? Yeah. So, uh, Chris, what are your likes and dislikes on this episode? Okay. The, the, the plot point of someone framing Spider-Man is classic Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. it, it is one of the most classic stories you will ever see of the character. I really like they included included that um, the series. Uh, it looks. I love the fight scenes at night because the suit strikes a lot better. Like mm -hmm. the, it just pops. It looks good and it kind of adds more to the, like the superhero element. Uh, Amazon, yeah. Amazon is uh, God that name. Why can't it just be Amazon? Like Amazon's right. already a female connotated name. Right. Exactly. <laughs> She's a much like this is the episode where she basically steals the show. She is a much better villain than Professor Monster. Oh, mm -hmm. she is. She is. Yeah. And uh, the machine bam in this episode's really cool. Like, I actually think like this is where this is where he's my favorite one so far because I kind of like the light thing. I like how um, this fireman was smart, decided to, like fight and try to fight him at night, didn't work, fought him in the day. Mm -hmm. And like you know, we have a fireman that's actually thinking to defeat the villain, not just you know immediately bring out the giant robot. There's actually some strategy to this, like a superhero story where you gotta like you have a new villain, you gotta figure out the weakness. And I'm I'm always a sucker for that. I feel just a sucker for fights in theme parks because i live in florida and we're surrounded by theme parks and i was just like you know superhero fight in a theme park is pretty cool and we get something like that and i'm I always love especially they fought on the the roller coaster i love that oh yeah yeah that was really funny and <laughs> that was really good uh yeah the the um i, I don't know what to call them but the the putties <laughs> the the putties the just riding cross on the army yeah the, the iron army. cross army soldiers just riding on the roller coaster coming to to uh to run over spider-man <laughs> oh man yeah it's it's a great episode um i'm totally with you on that chris that that it's it's uh classic spider-man having him framed uh for something that he didn't do and him trying to clear his name uh and getting skewered in the newspapers <laughs> like that's 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 classic spider-man makes right. me wish there was a jameson it really makes me wish, especially that you know japan had its japan tokusatsu had its fair share of newspaper guys i mean look at the show of godzilla films Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they totally could have had a Japanese J. Jonah Jameson, uh, and it would have been great. <laughs> I also kind of liked how Spider-Man tried to, you know, give redemption to the thief. Feels very much in character where Spider-Man tries to talk to villains sometimes or people in the wrong. And we got a, you know, he tried to, like, say, like, hey, you know, this is not a good thing to do. You need to not be a thief. Like, you know, you need to, like you know, try to turn mm -hmm. yourself around. And I like that, you know, it's very, like this, it shows like humanity to the Spider-Man, not just, you know, murder, kill, emissary of hell. 
Yeah. Yeah, Michael, um I was uh, was just thinking that like we said earlier, this is the episode where you get to see the turn towards the more heroic uh Spider-Man that we we know and love here in the West. Um yeah. what were what are your thoughts on this episode? Uh I liked just the I'm trying to think of how to word it, but I, I like the I just like the overall editing of the show. I guess that's how you uh I guess that's the best way I know how to put it because it, it was paced. I feel like this episode was paced fairly well. Uh mm-hmm. the the machine bim, the the kaiju in this one was in was really cool. I, I I'm a sucker for bug kaiju. I just think they're I just think they're awesome. Um this episode I I noticed did suffer a little bit from stock footage. I know that's kind of weird this early on, but sort of sequences where he's climbing up buildings and stuff that's it was stock from the very first episode, which we'll probably, mm-hmm. I think we see a lot more. We'll probably end up seeing a lot more of that stock footage later on. It was just, oh, yeah. it was just darkened just to give an, a night scene appearance. Uh, but I'm with Chris, you know, the, the trope of Spider-Man being impersonated and then uh, sort of uh, forgiving or giving redemption to his impersonator. Um, that was, what was interesting. Um yeah, just overall, I I, th- I had a lot of fun with this episode, and some of the fight sequences were great. Uh, the choreography I feel like was stronger in this episode than some of, and the, than the other two. Um, and just sort of, the, I like the hand to hand combat, the hand to hand combat uh, sequences in the final battle with Leprechaun and the kaiju. So, yeah, I mean, it was just this one was a lot of fun. And like, and to Chris's point, I like the the part where Spider Man figured out a way to defeat his enemy, like b- by exposing him to daylight, which you know actually makes a lot of sense. You can't, you know, light does look a, look a little less bright in the daylight, so yeah, that makes that mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and uh, that's one thing we haven't really touched on too much uh, in uh, in our review of these three episodes is the giant robot. I mean, that's one of the things that, that why we're covering this for anybody who's not aware um, and hasn't been following uh, Kaiju weekly on social media. May is our mech month. We are doing uh, for the next uh, four episodes. Well, yeah, for the next four episodes, our uh, theme is mechs. And so that's why we're covering this one because of the giant robot. And I think the fight between Leopardon and this kaiju was probably the best of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Leopardon is such a fantastic design. It is it is like sleek and boxy, but it's not like a brick. I I do kind of wish there was a bit more of the Spider-Man. Uh, not like it has to look like a spider, but I kind of mm-hmm. wish it kind of had Spider-Man's colors. Yeah, yeah. Now I I, I like the design just like you. I, I like the design. Um, it's very classic. Uh, mech, if you know anime, the anime mechs that were around at that time, like um, Mazinger, uh, that it, it fits right in with the designs of the mechs that were around in, in oh. anime form. Uh, there is a design thing in it that I don't like, and that is why does the mouth look like a cat's anus? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's supposed to be like a spider's mouth. Yeah, I think it was supposed to resemble sort of the the mandibles, the mandibles. Yeah, uh, in a spider's mouth. It's just a little round 
like circle sphincter looking thing. <laughs> they would have been much better served to just give it a regular human mouth, sort of like a like a megazord, sort of like the the uh, like the shoot, face what? guard. Yeah, like the face guard, sort of like what was the one I compared it to, Travis, the other day? The the Thunder Dragon Zord, the red. Oh dragon. yeah, 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 the Thunder Megazord. Yeah, sort of like that. They would have it would have been better off instead of giving it a cat's butthole for its mouth. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have a pet cat. I wake up every morning with a cat's butt in my face. I know what a cat's butt looks like, and that looks like a cat's butt. <laughs> I wouldn't share that with everybody, Travis. But I guess it's <laughs> This, hey, you cannot own a cat without having a cat's butt shoved in your face by the stupid animal that doesn't leave you alone until you feed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, no, I just that, – that's <laughs> – it looks like a cat's butt in its mouth. But, no, but you're mouth. right. The, the Leopardon for this – for I, I was – pleasantly surprised by how much i like leprechaun i like it so much i wish that i could get my hands on a collectible version of it apparently uh, they're re-releasing the solo to goken one. Ah, oh, nice okay yeah that's... I've, I've seen that one that one looks super cool like the, yeah their versions of uh i think the dragon zord and the megazord look super sweet i like it yeah, yeah. and you know leprechaun was it's like one of the things that basically what most comic fans remember like this is the show where spider-man drives a giant mecha and yeah. they translate like that over in the Spider-Verse event where it was actually a major, major part of the plot line to defeat the villains of those that uh, storyline, the, the inheritors. And they used it again in Spider-Geddon. And it was even cooler. Like, I'm going to geek out a little bit. But uh, when they were fighting the inheritors return, uh, Miles Morales used the power cosmic to wield Le Leopard on a uh, sword. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah, I think they really did a good job of introducing uh, the Japanese Spider-Man in those events in the comic books. That was really cool. Uh, th those events were just crazy, over-the-top fun anyway. Um, yeah, for people who may not be as familiar with uh, Spider-Man, and, and we've we're, we're already been talking about it for this long, but, but you know, when people who are new to Spider-Man and new to... Uh, comic books. When you when you hear a Japanese Spider-Man, they may think of Spider Verse, the movie, and Penny Parker. Penny and well, yeah, Penny. And what's though the Penny in the comics is completely different to the Penny in the movie. Oh yeah, because, yeah, definitely. Because Penny in the movie is more like the kawaii anime parody, while Penny in the comics is more or less a love letter to '90s anime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like a. Um, Almost like a uh, Evangelion, yeah, Evangelion type uh, character. Um, but yeah, so they they may be familiar with with that version of a Japanese Spider-Man. But this this isn't this isn't Penny Parker. This isn't the spider robot that she that she has control over. Uh, this is completely different. This is a giant, like Michael uh, compared to a Megazord. It, it it is a Megazord. Like basically, when you say. Best way to come, like when people were like, "What do you mean, Japanese Spider-Man?" Just say it's Power Rangers, but with Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's actually a good segue into the history uh, fun facts segment that I have but, planned but, here. Be before we move on, can I just say something that it's not really a, a dislike, but kind of a nitpick or things I wanted from the third episode? Uh huh. Yeah. I was going to say one thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about before we move on. I 
kind of wish we again villains because this storyline would have been perfect for Chameleon or Mysterio. Oh yeah. Oh, it would. Yeah, it it definitely would have. It definitely would have. It. Oh man. I I, I really I, uh, Chris, since you are a comic book fan, have you ever looked at the uh, Batman sixty six comic books that are coming out or that have I been have, coming out? I have not. I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. I love DC, but you know when it comes to comics, I, I'm mostly I'm mostly a Marvel guy. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I hear you. I I am too. I I really like Marvel, but I mean I go back and forth on them. Um, but yeah. The idea behind those 1966, the it, it's comic books that are coming out right now, but uh, it's um, set in the world of the 1966 Adam West Batman TV show, and so they they have all of like the reinterpretation of Harley Quinn and and Bane and all these other DC characters, these Batman characters that you didn't get in that original. 1966 show and i think there was even a crossover between that and uh and green, green hornet, hornet. yeah, yeah. The, and they did it in the comic books and they did a crossover with the um 70s wonder woman uh because she also has her own comic book series too so uh it's it's really neat so just knowing that they that that is something i wish marvel could do just take and make an entire comic book run just in the world of this uh, Spider-Man, not tied to any other Spider-Man, just not tied to the larger Marvel universe, just in the world of this TV show and explore the different characters and this interpretation of those characters. What's funny is there, as far as I'm aware, there have been two, no, three manga versions of Spider-Man. They're not connected to the show, but we had three different manga series. Uh, mm -hmm. One during the seventies, which is basically, Control F Spider-Man to have Jap a Japanese name, right? And along yeah. with his villains, uh, there was Spider-Man J, which is like a very is aimed for younger kids. And then there was MangaVerse, which is basically Marvel taking trappings of Japanese like manga and interpreting these characters. Where Spider-Man's like a ninja, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's something that they they can do. I just I wonder if it has something to do with, but but then I don't know if it has anything to do with rights because, no, like you it, said, it has nothing in, to do. Yeah, he's, he's in, in Spider the Spider Verse, right? So I don't know. I don't know what's what's. I guess it just they're not fan. I guess not enough fan demand or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, although you know, how often does Marvel actually listen to their fans anyway? <laughs> Um. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, let's balance it out. Let's uh, when DC has been actively angering their fans lately, right? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we're gonna get into uh, our fun facts segment. So I wanted to use the fun facts segment as a history lesson on this version of Spider-Man and its ties to uh, Power Rangers and other well-known Tokusatsu series. Um, because when people watch this, like, like Michael, when you watch this and you already know about Power Rangers, you may say, oh, well, this is just, you know, Japan taking and merging Power Rangers and, and Spider-Man together and doing their own weird thing. Right. But it's the other way around, really. Power Rangers and, and Super Sentai that, in, that got turned into Power Rangers when it was, when it was brought to America was inspired by Subinamon. If it wasn't for Spider-Man, we wouldn't have Power Rangers. 
Um, or, or at least a version of Power Rangers we know and love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like we would still have like the concept of Power Rangers, or, but well, it would, be, it would look completely. I feel like it would look somewhat different, if not completely different, than what we what we know it as. I don't think we would. I, I really don't think we would. Because if you look at the... Well, let's get into the history of it that I have. Uh, I'll read through my notes. So in 1971, Toei produced the series Kamen Rider, uh, which introduced a new kind of hero, what is called the Henshin hero. That's uh, heroes that could transform from mm. their civilian to their super-powered self. And it's kind of like Jap uh, Japanese take on the secret identity that Superman. people know and love from superheroes in the West. Yeah, because Ultraman was basically the granddaddy of all that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, then, after the success of Kamen Rider, Toei went on to create two more Henshin hero shows uh, in the early 70s called Go Ranger and JAKQ. Uh, now, these are called Sentai. These were the first two Sentai series. But they did not have robots. They did not have kaiju. They didn't have any of the trappings that we know from later Super Sentai series. Mm -hmm. And they were more like spy, uh, spy and adventure stories just with these super-powered um, heroes. Basically like the 70s, the 1960s Batman show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason why I say that without uh, Spider-Man, we wouldn't have Power Rangers, uh, and why I think that, like you guys said, we would have Power Rangers, but we wouldn't have it the same you know, way. These two Sentai series were successful, but they were not su successful enough to continue. In fact, Toei had actually, after JAKQ, they had actually put the Sentai series to rest. Okay. So they weren't planning, at least from my research, they weren't planning on doing any more Sentai series. Now, around the same time, uh, Toei and Marvel Comics had a licensing deal where Marvel would produce comic books based off of some of uh, Toei's anime characters and uh, this led to Marvel also licensing out their characters uh, for Toei to turn into their own Tokusatsu series. Yeah, Marvel and, had the uh, the Shogun Warriors, which tied into Mattel's toy line as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and in the so they got Shogun Warriors and a few other things uh, that Toei had. Um, and then uh, what Toei did was they had they took. Spider-Man to begin with, and then they were also going to do a few more, uh, but that, that those ended up changing. But they turned Spider-Man into the Spider-Man that we just watched and that we reviewed today. But originally, they did want to create a faithful adaptation of Spider-Man. They weren't going to add any of the crazy giant robot, kaiju, any of that stuff that we see in the uh, Japanese Spider-Man. But what happened was Toei had a, a toy deal with Bandai that was already established. And Bandai, the people at Bandai said, hey, if you're going to market Spider-Man, you need more than just Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man uh, alone cannot sell toys. Okay. And so, because, you know, if, if kids buy a Spider-Man toy, 
then that's the end of it. You know, they've already got their Spider-Man toy. What else do they? So they had to create different things to try to sell more toys. And since in anime form, because right about this time, Mazinger Z was very popular. We already talked about how Gigantor had kind of uh, uh, started. It was the rise of the super robo uh, genre. Yeah, yeah, the super robot uh, genre was already taking off. So Toei decided, let's give Spider-Man a giant robot and give him giant monsters to fight. And that's where this Japanese Spider-Man, you know, came from. Um, now, this, this idea of a piloted giant robot had never been done in tokusatsu form before. It was already popular in anime, but it was not, you know, in tokusatsu. And it became so popular that Toei decided to revive their Super Sentai series and give the Super Sentai characters giant robots to pilot. Now, this is where it gets a little kind of twisted around in the history because uh, the first of this new Super Sentai series was Battle Fever J. Now, Battle Fever J, me and Chris mentioned it earlier, Michael, okay. is kind of Captain Japan. <laughs> because the idea was for Japan, the, for Toei to do a, an adaptation of Captain America. And they had the idea that they would have a team of superheroes uh, led by uh, basically Captain Japan, uh, which he didn't wasn't called that, but that was the idea. And each of the characters would be from a different country. And so that's what Battle Fever J is. But Toei uh, ran into a problem because Marvel had actually by that point already licensed out Captain America to Universal to make some kind of really awful the um, Brent Ranner movie. Oh, the, yes. oh no, no. <laughs> the really awful Captain oh, America. What am, I, what am I missing? What am I missing here? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Your life would be very enriched if you don't watch these Captain America movies. Yeah. So there were some uh, Captain America movies from back in the day that were really awful. And, uh, and so, yeah, um, his, his but, shield was a Frisbee. Mm, mm -hmm. Is that, that the same one with the live action Thor? No, that, no. That, that was, that is not related to the incredible Hulk show. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that was a, the incredible Hulk had Thor in it. Um, yeah. And they had rubber ears attached to the helmet. No, that was, a, that was a, that was a different one. That was a, different oh, was one. that was a different one. Okay. The Brett Ratner one. Yeah, the, that, that was the 90s uh, direct-to-video movie. Uh, the Brett Ratner ones, he had like a motorcycle helmet, basically. Oh, okay. That's right. They all blend together in my mind because it's like... Because they're, they're terrible. Just, yeah, they're all terrible. So, um, But licensing deal, Toei couldn't do... Couldn't, basically couldn't do Captain America the way they wanted to. Um, so they adapted it or changed things around and made it uh, Battle Fever J, and they decided to make Battle Fever J instead of connected to Spider-Man or Spider-Man, uh, they made it part of their new line of Sentai series called Super Sentai. And they gave them giant robots to pilot. 
So the, the uh, Super Sentai formula was a complete success, and Toei continued to produce more series. You know, once Battle Fever J ended, they started doing another one, then another one, and they continued on. Uh, the next one after Battle Fever J was Dingemon Electric Fighters and its direct sequel, Taiyo Sentai Sun Vulcan. Now, I hinted at this earlier uh, in the episode because Sun Vulcan was the series that caught Stan Lee's attention. Stan Lee really, really wanted to adapt Sun Vulcan and really a lot of tokusatsu uh, shows into an American show for American audiences. Because he already had success with like not only with the Shogun, the Shogun Warrior comics, but he had Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, and so and he really loved this these like Japanese superheroes and stuff, and he really wanted to adapt them for American audiences. And so he took uh, the uh, the old you know basically yeah VHS uh, type tape and showed it to basically who the person who was his boss at the time, um, who was a woman by the name of Margaret Loesch. She was the president and CEO of Marvel Productions, so the the TV and uh, side of of Marvel. And he was like, "I really want to do this. We need to adapt this into something for American audiences." So her and Stanley took that around to all of the networks and tried to sell them on it saying hey here's this crazy japanese show uh super sentai sun vulcan we want to adapt it and all of the networks turned them down most of them said it's too violent some of them said it's disgusting looking because the monsters aren't cute they're they're weird looking and right. some of them said it's it's just too weird it's it's too japanese <laughs> So it that was unsuccessful. So Stanley wasn't able to do his adaptation of it. But then fast forward to the 80s and you have a new player join the game. Haim Saban. Oh boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Haim Saban decides he wants to adapt Super Sentai. He had uh, taken a business trip over to Japan. There was nothing on TV when he was staying in his hotel except for these Super Sentai shows that were on. And so he watched them, and he's like, hey, we, want, we can adapt that to an American audience. So he had the idea. And so he took his idea for an adaptation of Super Sentai to a lot of the networks. And a lot of networks turned him down until he got to Fox Kids. Now, Fox Kids was a relatively new uh, network that was set up, and the head of Fox Kids was Margaret Loesch, who was the, before this, was the president and CEO of Marvel Productions, the one who was with Stan Lee trying to sell Super Sentai to all of the networks. <laughs> and so when he brought it to her, she's like, hey, I recognize that. That's a show, you know, I, I, I wanted to bring that to American audiences back in the day. And so they came together and she staked her entire career on the success of an American adaptation of Super Sentai. And she, the networks gave her the, uh, the, the okay. She went ahead, they went ahead with it, her and Saban, produced Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and of course, the rest is history. 
So from common Rider to this weird, bizarre adaptation of Spider-Man to a weird spy series that became a giant robot series to Power Rangers, one of the most popular franchises of the 90s and onwards. It's it still just, going. Yeah. yeah, it's still going. Well, all of those shows, well, not Spider-Man, but but like Super Sentai is still going and, and Power Rangers is still going. So without Spider-Man, this weird that most people who are not familiar with it will say, what, is, what the heck is this? <laughs> without, like it's almost a meme. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a meme. In fact, a lot of information that I found on this, some of the most uh, informative stuff that you can find on Spider-Man is from knowyourmeme.com. <laughs> like, they have sources and everything for a lot of the history of uh, Spider-Man. And, uh, yeah, but without that, we would not have Power Rangers. That is, as, okay. You going through all that history, I didn't know a lot of the, I didn't know a lot of the history uh, of Power Rangers. Now, I'm like I said, I, I was going into this knowing that it has some tie-ins, but I didn't know exactly how tightly the tie-ins were. Mm -hmm. um, and it just makes me appreciate, like, it just makes me appreciate this show even more now knowing how influential it was. Yeah, and I, I have a few sources that I got all of my uh, history from, so I will include those in the show notes. Um, but one of the, one of the uh, sources is there's a Netflix series, if you haven't watched it, The Toys That Made Us. And they do an entire episode on the Power Rangers, and there's a lot of uh, um, breakdown of the history of how Stan Lee wanted to adapt uh, Super Sentai originally, and Margaret Loesch ended up uh, doing it with Haim Saban, and everything so yeah that's one of the sources but i had a few sources that i yeah, that was a i watched that episode on on the power rangers and man that was a nostalgia trip for sure i still need to watch that episode it's it was, it's really interesting yeah yeah i have a lot like a lot of the toys that they talked about in that episode i still have them in my parents attic um god i hope they're i i, I haven't been up there in 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 years i hope that when i go there finally I hope they're still in good shape because I would really like to revisit some of those things. Could be yeah. worth some money too. They yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those ones, man. I remember I, when we were doing the first Kaiju quarantine and we had our little um, in between each movie, we just kind of chatted and we had stuff playing in the background on the stream. And one of the things that came up a few times was that classic Bandai America uh, Power Rangers commercial from the 90s and i was like oh man i remember that and i remember seeing the toys for the zords and always wanting them i never had the zords i always had i had the monsters and, and i had the the uh rangers but i never had the zords when i was a kid you're talking about the ones with the you press a button and they flip their heads like they go from their uh human they they go from their they go from with helmets to without helmets is that the ones you're talking about well, I mean, I was talking about the the commercial that they that we showed during. Yeah, uh, but I, I was trying to think yeah. of which toys it was. Um, it I think was, it was the more traditional Rangers, like the more poseable ones. Yeah, um, it, it was the poseable ones, and then they had the Dragon Zord and uh, oh, what is it, the Titanosaur? Titanus. Yeah, yeah Titanus. Titanus. Yeah, I um, had Titanus as a kid. 
Mm-hmm. Oh man, I always wanted that one. <laughs> I like, always one wanted. thing that eluded me for years, and I finally found it in my. I think I was in my early twenties. I finally found one. Was a dragon dagger. Oh, oh wow! I know. I know Hasbro. It's They've reissued a lot of that stuff under their lightning collection. The lightning series, but they're meant mm-hmm. to be like you know more detailed and basically mm-hmm. prop replicas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. There's a uh, uh one they they ban uh, uh Hasbro put out the uh what's the what's the uh White Rangers sword? Saba. Oh, Sa- Saba. Saba, yeah. that's it. I, I'm so bad with names. I have a Saba. Yeah, I had a Saba. I think I still have. It's probably still in good shape. I have no idea. But yeah, that was one of my favorite weapons as a kid. That and the um, the Dino laser. I can't even remember what it's called now at this point. The little laser slash knife that they would all carry. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. I know yeah. they're they're they announced they're going to or it's already going to be released. The they're going to have a uh, the staff of the gold the Gold Ranger from Zero. Oh, oh wow yeah that was a good one too mm-hmm. yeah so oh man it's a nostalgia trip just talking about power rangers i really do want to do a power rangers episode of this podcast at some point <laughs> yeah that'd be cool but yeah but I, I i really wanted to break down the history of uh spider-man and how he connected to power rangers because it's easy to look at Spider-Man, the Japanese Spider-Man, and say, "Oh, that's just a Power Rangers ripoff." When it's it's not, it, it really isn't. And if it wasn't for the series, we wouldn't have the Power Rangers that we know and love. Um, getting into now our final thoughts of uh, well, actually, before we get into final thoughts, we we're not going to do Godzuki scores because I for TV shows, I want to do a Godzuki score at the end of it. So if we cover all the episodes and we get to the end of the series, I want to do a full just Godzuki score for all of them. So instead of doing a Godzuki score, I wanted to see what you guys, I mean, we kind of already said it, but what are what are your favorite episode? What, which one of the episodes that we watched is your favorite? Um, Chris, you want to start? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say episode three. Yeah, because it balances both the Spider-Man and the Super Sentai like elements, the the Tokusatsu elements, because it mm-hmm. has both really good Spider-Man stuff and a really good Leopard on fight scene. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it feels like a, this is what if this is what I wanted from the series, and you know, as what, and it basically becomes that from here onwards. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, Michael, I'm gonna go with episode three as well. Uh, like I said, I went into this totally totally new uh and which is exciting uh that i get to discover this whole new show that i get to enjoy uh but out of the three that we got to talk about today episode three is definitely definitely yeah 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 and for me too i mean yeah three is definitely the best one although i do really like the first one just because of its how crazy and bizarre it is because if you've never seen this and you have no idea what's going on and you just start that first episode it's it just blows your mind <laughs> i when uh when i started watching this the other when when i started watching this the other day i literally said what the f- am i watching mm-hmm. yeah it's it's crazy it's really crazy um so getting into our final thoughts um we'll start with chris just because you guys are that's the order that you guys are listed on my discord. So that's why I always start with Chris. (laughs) Um, Chris, what are your final thoughts on 
Spider-Man as a whole, these three episodes, just any of it. What's your final thoughts? Uh, when it comes to these episodes, it's definitely an example of growing pains with the writing and the characterizations, especially some of the weird character motivations of Spider-Man and uh, the editing itself, where it, it's definitely clear that, you know, they're kind of like not really winging it, but trying to figure out what they want from the series because they're basically kind of working with a they're working from a big property from scratch from scratch. But yeah. as a whole, this series is fantastic for how unique it blends Spider-Man and Tokusatsu uh, elements. And yeah, like as we did in that really big history lesson, this series is monumental to Tokusatsu as a whole. Right. And we wouldn't have, you know, Super Sentai. And without Super Sentai, we wouldn't have Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I talked about in that history lesson a lot of how uh, it inspired Super Sentai. But beyond Super Sentai, there were other shows that, that took the same formula that Spider-Man uh, did and did their own thing, not even just from Toei, but from other companies as well. So, yeah, it's, it's hugely, hugely influential on the tokusatsu genre. Does uh, Michael, anyone remember oh, go ahead. Beetleborgs? Yes. Uh, and, uh, do you remember VR Troopers? I remember yes. VR Troopers, yes. <laughs> I remember both of them. <laughs> okay, so here's one. Here's a really deep cut for you guys. What about the tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills? I've never heard of that one until that, Go When you go after this episode, Chris, go and YouTube that. It is glorious. I feel like the best like series that try to knock off uh, uh, Super Sentai was Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, only because oh, yeah. Grid, the, the Tokusatsu they based off Gridman is fantastic. Mm -hmm. If we yeah. ever did and a, uh, if we had Tim a... Curry, oh yeah, oh. go ahead, Michael. I was gonna say if we ever did a Trash Mountain, uh, a return to Trash Mountain, we should do it on TV shows, and the tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills should be should definitely be a contender. What the heck is this? Oh my. <laughs> now I have, I have seen like, I, I pride myself on knowing weird things. Mm -hmm. um, that's why me and Rob seem to get along so well because we both love trash mountain. Um, yep. But what the heck is this? Yep. Yep. <laughs> All all that spandex, man. Just take it in. All that spandex, and and their mouths are painted silver. What the heck? This looks terrifying. <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> it is scary looking. Oh my goodness. There was okay. there was also Savant try to get Common Rider with Mass Rider, yep. and yes. he decided like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna adapt one of the darkest Common Rider seasons. Yes, Common Rider Black, right? Yeah, Common Rider Black, and it's not black because. His costume is black. I think it's it's metaphorically black. It's, yeah, metaphor. Oh man, yeah. I, that was my first um, introduction to Common Rider was through the Masked Rider because I remember when um, Power Rangers crossed over with the Masked Rider in the first, uh, uh, really the first episode because I think that's all they ever did was just one or two episodes of Masked Rider. Yeah, came it out. was the alternate storyline where I think the Rangers went to another planet or the Ma or the Masked Rider came to Earth. I can't remember exactly what it was, but mm -hmm. yeah. And so that was my first exposure to Common Rider and then I I learned what it was from and started watching a little bit of Common Rider. I'm like, "Hey, I actually like this." <laughs> I still need to get into Common Rider. 
Yeah, I I'm only familiar with like Common Rider Black, the one that inspired uh, Master Rider, and the early early Common Riders. Uh, the newer, more modern Common Riders, I don't know. And just from seeing clips of them, I really need to watch them. <laughs> they look like just like the costume design alone looks fantastic. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're just oh man, I love the costumes for Common Rider series. <laughs> Anyway, um, my final thoughts on on this uh, on Spider-Man before we move on. Uh, it's a fun show. It is absolutely so fun. It's it's cheesy and dated, but that's because it's from that time period. But it's and it's not a masterpiece by today's standards. But you can definitely see the blueprint of what would be added to later shows. And the show really makes me feel a wide range of emotions. You know, when I'm watching it, I laugh, I cry, I wonder why the robot's mouth looks like a cat's butt. Uh, <laughs> just every emotion. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's our final thoughts. Uh, anything else before we close the book on the first three episodes of Spider-Man? Uh, no, I mean, it's like I said, I was pleasantly surprised by, by what I found in that series. So yeah, I, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. But, uh, before we go, Travis, I did go before this episode, I posted a caption contest to the groupie. Oh yeah. And it was of this photo when I, when I first saw the helmet, uh, that Gyra had on and I was like, man, this is, this is nuts. This is just this is just begging to be memed. And so I posted it to the Facebook group and I told them if they did a caption, if they did, if they gave us some captions, I give them a shout out. So just, I'm going to run through these just really, really quickly. Um, uh, Kenneth Haynes, uh, he said, do you, do you know what happens if you call a a phone sex number 24 hours a day? This is what happens, my friend. This is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Uh, Jesse Wilson, uh, when you go to, when you go to a mosh pit, but you, but when you go to a mosh pit, don't forget your armor. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. I, I, I know from experience the horror of accidentally being in a mosh pit. Oh, my friend, uh, I was with, I was with my friends. We were going to like an indie band uh like support them and i the mosh pit happened but i it was like happened too fast so i was caught it and then there was this like i, I don't want to i don't want to fat shame anyone but it was a really big dude was um mm-hmm. watching and i just saw him and i was it was like to put the the clip from lion king simba's reaction to the 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 <laughs> um the wildebeest oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh I, and that's why I don't like going to live concerts is the the fear of the mosh pit. Right. <laughs> uh, just a couple more. Let's say here we got Matt Bell. He said, uh, darn it, Karen, the fins were supposed to be on top. <laughs> uh, Thomas Lee, have no fear. Silver Samurai is here. Oh, another that's, Marvel deep cut. Yeah, yeah. Marvel comic book. Uh, I'll say Chris Shear. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, where's my pizza? Yeah, he definitely, <laughs> has, he definitely has a "Where's my food?" look on his face for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Myers, honey, that's not a gimp suit. Now go change. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh man. But yeah, that was uh, that was their shout out for participating in the caption contest. So there you go, guys. Yeah. 
Oh man. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna close the book on on these first three episodes of Spider Man. I hope to come back to the show uh, again and revisit it. Um, we're we're slowly going through all of the episodes of Ultraman. Now we're also slowly going through all the episodes of Spider Man. So, uh, and when we do it again, we'll have Chris on again because we know how much he loves Spider Man. <laughs> so, um, to close out this episode, uh, Chris, you want to give uh, some shout-outs, or not shout-outs, but uh, plugs, some of your plugs? Uh, you can follow me on GargantuCast on Twitter at GargantuCast or my personal Twitter at Chris underscore Kaiju. You can find the show on, uh, you know, where you get your podcasts, you know, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Apple Pod. Uh, all that stuff. Uh, you can find my editorials on the Summit Gulich website, which is currently under reconstruction, but should be able, but should be relaunched sometime into this month uh, in May. And you can read my editorials there. And you can also check out uh, the other podcasts I'm part of, the Summit Gulich Network. You can check out Of Gods and Monsters and Gulich Cast. All right. And uh, so if anybody wanted an introduction, like an, in, like an, uh, an episode that they can start with that really kind of introduces them to Gargantucast. What episode uh, would you suggest people start with? Um, I'd say probably check out some of the ones I'm really proud of is the Godzilla King and the Monsters episode, the King Kong 1933 episode, and uh, the Pacific Rim episode we just released. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys are doing Mech Month too. <laughs> yeah, Mecha May. Uh, yeah, so we got we got a nice crossover here. Um, so for uh, for us here at Kaiju Weekly, we want to thank uh, Chris for joining us because it was a lot of fun. We loved having you on here, and uh, we want to thank everyone for listening and giving us uh, a review. If you want to review us on iTunes, uh, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can do that. We are Kaiju Weekly on Twitter at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter and Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can send questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can also find us at the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. Also follow at Kaiju Groupie 54, that's Michael on Twitter, and the Kaiju Groupie on Instagram. A big thank you to Brian, Shiger, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod. And so the only other thing to do is to uh, do the trivia question that's going to hint to next week's episode. Sticking with Mech Month, uh, we are going to be talking about a mech comic book. So the trivia question, because the comic book is one that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with, I decided to change the question around a little bit. Um, so the trivia question is, what comic book company that currently holds the license to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers published the kaiju-related comic book Mech Cadet U? Yeah. So if that, you know... Go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, that'll be an interesting episode because I am coming into that one completely fresh as well so yeah um, I, haven't even, I haven't even read that comic it's been on my my sites for a while 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good one. Uh, I think you guys would enjoy it. Um, so uh, tune in uh, for all our listeners. Tune in next week to hear more about that. Yeah, and I'm so, looking forward to it. And also, Travis, you did forget, we did launch a YouTube channel for Kaiju Weekly. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah so we just did. To give our give our listeners a little uh, – or give our listeners more options so that they can check us out because I know – uh, certain people who shall remain nameless don't listen to podcasts, uh, but we'll watch YouTube. We did go ahead and wa- uh, launch a um, YouTube channel for Kaiju Weekly, so we're going to be posting that in the show notes as well, uh, so you can have access to that. And so far, I think we're I think Travis and I have decided we're just going to publish newer episodes and possibly just clips to older episodes. We're not going to go through the entire catalog. Uh, so starting with, I believe, our episode on King Kong Escapes, that'll be episode one or episode. It's not episode one, but it'll be the first episode that's published in full to YouTube. Uh, and then thereafter, we'll all you, you'll get this episode plus uh, the ones after this as well on YouTube. But we're going to be posting some clips and different things from other episodes on there as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So uh, it's just another avenue for people to enjoy just a couple of of crazy guys, a couple of crazy cats talking about giant monster movies. <laughs> so to close out this episode, and it's a long one, my goodness, uh, I'm going to say uh, help control the giant monster population. Have your spider mechs spayed or neutered. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks right, well, so much, guys. Have a great week. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.